Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of After the Storm. This is Hamna. And this is Roja. How's it going, Roja? It's good. It's good. Um, last night, I did, was doing some research, right? But I ended up just researching algebra, Hamna. What did you find? Inspirational quotes about algebra. Uh, please share. So a wise man once said, two plus two, that's four. That's quick maths. What's four times two, Hamna? Eight. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, w- I would like to apologize. I want to apologize to our guests. Hey, 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 hey. My jokes, have, my jokes have been diluted because of the lockdown. I haven't had practice time on stage. Get oh, because I play eight. Get back into the yeah. group. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I, just, I just got that. <laughs> that was awful. That was awful. Okay. So I'm a really intelligent guy, and that took me a whole 17 minutes to understand. <laughs> okay, our guest today is Tez Elias. Tez is an actor, a stand-up comedian, a podcaster, and a self-proclaimed slacktivist on Twitter. And he also happens to be our very first guest from the UK. We're really out here. Welcome to the podcast, Tez. Yay! I just, I was doing a deep dive into Tez's work last night. Um, and after many laughs, I got a little sad because oh. I found out Tez uh, did a BSc in biochemistry. And I wanted to ask, why is the road to stand-up comedy so filled with chemistry? I want to ask. I mean, do you genuinely like biochem? Because that's great. Uh, no. Uh, thank you for the honesty. Well, I'll tell you what happened. When I was a child... I wanted to be a doctor because obviously, and <laughs> ding 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 ding. Yeah, and but then so I got the grades I needed at school, uh, but then when I went to sixth form, which is college, which is in between. Mm-hmm. So our college is not university, what you call college. Mm-hmm. Our college is kind of seventeen to eighteen. Like the uh, two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I did that, I did my A levels, which is what you do before you go to university. Um, I flopped them, fully flunked it. Mm-hmm. Um, discovered Buffy the Vampire Slayer amongst very other things. And um, so I didn't get the grades that I needed to do medicine. We then have a process here in the UK called clearing. And clearing is basically the universities who've still got places on certain courses. They then oh. try and match to the students who, haven't, who didn't get a place on the course they wanted to do. And so that's how I ended up doing biochemistry. Uh, but then I really lucked out because I ended up going to like a really, really good university, probably better than the one that would have done medicine in. So that kind of worked out for me. Um, but I did biochemistry because what else would I have done? Because the A-levels that I studied were biology, chemistry, and maths. Uh, and yeah. I thought that kind of limit, because that's what I needed to do medicine, but then it kind of limited me to then, like what else could I do going forward? So I ended up just doing that because that's what I thought. Because then I thought like in the future, I might end up doing medicine after that degree. But by the time I finished that degree, I kind of fell out of love with science a little mm. bit. So kind of, just wasn't about it so I did, then I did have an MSc in management oh nice yeah, so I'm a master's education mm. or whatever um but no I just wanted to say but still like biochem to comedy the equation doesn't add up where did you find comedy in this so comedy has been around me my entire life I come from a very funny family I come from a very fun funny culture like South Asians in Britain are very funny. We have our own unique brand of dry, sarcastic humor, mm-hmm. which, which we had in Blackburn. Um, 
uh, which is where I'm from. And, and so I've always surrounded by funny people, love, love making people laugh, always got into trouble at school for having a bit of a big mouth and, and not knowing when to shut up and stuff. But never, never had the idea or intention to go into this profession because it just wasn't something that we thought would be even slightly feasible. Like if you said to me at school, I could become a stand-up comedian, you might as well have said to me I could become an astronaut. Like it was so far, so far removed from any experience we had. Like there was no encouragement or even pathway of going into the arts mm-hmm. or performing arts or anything like that. So comedy came way later. So I did uni, ended up in a day job working for the government, the civil service, got into the graduate program, did that for a couple of years. And then, and then I found myself just a bit lonely in London because it's a big place, but I don't have any family there. And I just thought, I just need a hobby. So I was looking for a writing workshop, something to occupy my evenings. And I ended up coming across a stand-up workshop. Ooh. And I thought, huh, my friends always tell me I'm funny and I'm deluded enough to believe them. And I thought, <laughs> what, what the, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like, I'll meet some new people and make a fool of myself. I can live with both of those things. So I signed up to this thing. It was one day a week for six weeks. Like, it doesn't teach you how to be funny, but it teaches you the mechanics of stand-up, mm. which is slightly different to just being a funny person. Um, it gave me homework every single week to come back and, like, like, like the homework every week was come back the following week with two minutes of something like the first thing mm. I remember was like come back with a two minute rant and at that stage it wasn't like don't worry about it not being that funny just just come up with a rant and then if it's like we'll work on the jokes in class and stuff so every week we we did this we did these exercises every week at homework I'd come back with a new two minute bit about something and then the end of it there was a showcase where everyone on the workshop they invite their family and friends and then whatever we prepared on that workshop we do in front of them and that went really well. Like people left in the right place when I wanted them to. And so it kind of gave me a bit of confidence to maybe try it properly. And so I found the open mic circuit in London, which is a vast, fascinating subculture in itself. And I started right at the bottom rung of the comedy ladder in the UK. Uh, and that was exactly 10 years ago in two weeks. So 16th of June, Ooh. 2010. Oh, wow. Congratulations yeah, on a Thank decade. You. Thank you. 16th of June, 2010 was my first ever gig. And, uh, and yeah, then I threw myself into the open mic circuit and eventually was doing this long enough. I uh, started earning enough money that I could quit my day job, quit the home office and do this full time. Yay. Um, I don't, that makes me really happy. On behalf of like brown kids everywhere, thank you for doing that. Because it's one of those things that like, I really love to see people go on non-traditional journeys when it comes to their career, especially in the arts, right? Um, so it's just, it's. I, I love hearing these stories and I love learning that like this is a possibility for so many kids and it's not something that you have to do right like you know when you're 15 or 20 or like things like these can come later in life and it's possible to still be successful within those streams so I love that and on top of that I think your work is brilliant like that's very kind you know your podcast your stand-ups your work on men like Mubin, all of it is so entertaining and so it, it's amazing to also then have somebody out there in the media that we can resonate with and like truly enjoy their work i and think very kind. what i wanted to say about your work um is that the, I really op- enjoy- the, op- the opposite the complete opposite <laughs> you know what tez you're not hitting the marks the observational comedy is not doing it Rush. your Rush. satire needs more work <laughs> We brought you here to bully you. (laughs) No, but like, I think when I think of representation of South Asians and Muslims in the media, I I don't want like the cookie cutter answer. And I think that's one thing that I've been exploring too, that I don't want our representation to be tokenistic. Um, It's good seeing 
brown people on stage, Muslim folks on stage, but you know, you go into topics that you're passionate about, you go into topics that inspire you. And I think that's what's really refreshing for us to see. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, I, I always wanted, to, I always ever talk about the things I want to talk about. I never, mm-hmm. I don't take direction well. And when people ask me to talk about a topic, I'm like, well, you know, if I can make it funny, I will. But if I can't, then I'll just won't, I'll drop it. Um, and you, if you follow me on social media, you'll see that I'm very vocal about the things that I care about. And I'm also, you know, I'm never afraid to tell the people who follow me to fuck off if they, if they step out of line or they, they, they overstep the boundaries or whatever. I'm just, I'm just myself. I, I try to be myself where, in whichever space I end up finding myself in. I think one place that your personality really shined is through Tez Talks, which I've figured out is just like an entire series of Dawa. Can we talk about that? <laughs> yeah, 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 do it, do it. You give it, I mean, you know, you're giving the game away. <laughs> okay, hey guys, uh, we're going to end the podcast right here. <laughs> but we're done. We're done. Um, I'll edit that bit out. But yeah, I just, I mean, I'm already Muslim, but I really wanted to be Muslim by the end of the series. <laughs> so refresh the Shahada again. Good. Re-up. <laughs> it's good to have like, you know how people have vow reaffirming ceremonies? I don't mm. know. Like white people do that. I don't know if anyone else does that. But what if you have just like every five years, you do your shahada again? Does that work? You, you probably should. There should be a test for Muslims, especially online. It should be like, how much do you actually know about the religion yeah. versus how much do you think it's cultural practice? And if they fail, oh they shouldn't be allowed to go on social media. Exactly. My dad does this every Ramadan where like he'll test us on our knowledge and he'll be like, testing us on prophet stories and like on just how to read namaz and it's like so nerve-wracking every time because i'm like freaking 23 years old but i'm like what if i mess up alhamdulillah that's so funny <laughs> yes um that's a very valid point though too especially about like online presence there is i mean if we're talking about twitter specifically there is a ridiculous amount of people on there just spewing misinformation and hatred and be like this is what muslims are this is what i as a muslim believe and i'm just like I want to either bash my head into a wall or I want to bash your head into a wall and I don't know what's uh, worse. It's just like, shut up. Right. Like, even if, even if that's what you believe because, you're, you know, your interpretation is different to mine and that's completely valid. But just sometimes it's just read the room. Absolutely. People aren't good at reading rooms at all. No, you know what? It's a, it's a skill you learn in comedy because we literally have mm-hmm. to read a room because that's what we do in our in our in our jobs and so that skill i've taken into my life as well and i'm significantly more emotionally intelligent for having done stand-up than i was 10 years ago just because i see people's faces i see 100 people's faces like three four times a week just staring at me mm-hmm. just out of curiosity in your stand-up workshops did you do improv as well um we did a little bit of it but improv is a whole other skill yeah. That, that, like, I, I improvise a lot on stage. I mean, it's not so much that you've, that you've seen because a lot of the work that I release is more kind of, he is the scripted stuff and this is what mm. I'm doing. But, but, but if you come see me live, if I'm in the right mood, like, I will do a whole 20 minutes unscripted, going into the audience, improvised stuff, which is always really, really fun. Um, but that also, that still isn't the same as improvised comedy. Like, improvised comedy is its, is its own genre. 
yeah because my background is improv and mm. in terms of like whenever I see your work I feel like I always see some touches of improv so I always thought like you had an improv background I, I have saying... done I have done an improv course like um with, with people who've trained at like, oh, second, okay. like with people who've trained at Second City and stuff and like they went over to the UK and they did like there's some really good David Shaw actually is a Canadian guy uh, mm. and he started this improv improv classes in in London and it became like the the go-to improv classes uh for anyone interested in improv but for a lot of stand-ups and so I did like level one two three and four of David Shaw's uh improv classes and he traded like Second City and all and all, mm -hmm. and, all and other places so yeah I, I've done some improv but I've never I never practiced proper improv um but I've, I have studied it oh that's really good to hear um, and we just wanted to go back to like the type of comedy that you do um, and Twitter, your comedy is often very activism based. And I believe Hamna had some questions surrounding that. Yeah. So just kind of delving into the work that you've done, right? Even on Tez Talks, on your podcast, um, it's very, it's properly researched as well, right? Like it's not just like token activism comedy. Like you clearly know and care about the issues that you're talking about. And so where does that come from? Is it because we hear some folks talk about, you know, feeling a sense of responsibility and that like based on their personal identity, they feel like there's a responsibility that they talk about certain issues. And so is it a mixture of that and just also the things that you care about? Like, where is this coming from? A lot of the um, comedy that I like, I like all sorts of comedy, the silly stuff, the surreal stuff, but the stuff that I like the most is satire and comedy that is saying something that there's a lot of subtext in the mm -hmm. thing that someone's saying. So, you know, your Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle's and Richard Pryor and, 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 and Sarah Silverman of, of the guys that, that, that you, that you guys would be familiar with. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I don't like Russell Peters or, or, or Kevin Hart or, or Bill Burr. Well, Bill Burr's quite political as well, but, but, but the stuff that I like the most is South Park and, and Rick and Morty and, and these things that are so silly, but, it's easy to miss the subtext. Mm. You, just, you can just enjoy that stuff on a surface level and, and, and not take any of the subtext in. And I guess I've taken that slightly one step further where I, I would love to be more skilled and bury more of my stuff in the subtext, but I guess I'm working up to that. Um, so I just, I just, all that stuff has been the stuff that I've enjoyed the most and the stuff that I know how to do the best in. Like, I, I would love to, like, be able to write five, ten minutes about how your toast, why your toaster settings, what's that about? And, and there are people who can make that. There are people who are really skilled that can make that really funny over ten minutes, yeah. but that's not who I am. That's, I couldn't do that. I, um, I, so I, I, I have the skills that I have. And another, another big skill in comedy is self-awareness uh, yeah. and being aware of the limits of your skill and, yeah. and, and also being self-aware. in what, also what, what I, like, having done this for ten years, I know when I'm on stage, what gets the biggest reaction from the audience. Mm -hmm. And so it's the stuff that you guys have seen because that's what ends up making the cut. And I find that here you can really see like the geographic difference in terms of, I find that North American comedy sometimes lacks the subtext because even our work, even films in general, they don't have that subtlety factor that I think the UK has more of. And in terms of just cinema, Eastern cinema, works a lot well with subtlety but mm. we don't we don't have that here i mean you got it in some places you got like like south park does it a lot yeah Although south, south park wears a, it's a lot of you on your sleeve but there's a lot of subtext in it and like rick and morty is full of subtext like you can enjoy it for all its 
wacky humor and 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 Rick's, Rick's monologues and stuff, but there's so much subtext buried in all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I like say with like Book of Mormon and like I'm just talking about Trey Parker and Max, Matt Stone's work now, but there's a, there's a lot of yeah yeah I mean America just does everything bigger, right? Like yeah, that is one of the things that is, that 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 it does that a difference between here and the and the there in the UK, but um. Yeah, there's a lot of good practitioners of like satire in America. And I think we've like talked about stand-up comedy, but one thing that we've seen a complete shift in or like you're kind of unrecognizable, it's as a in-man like Moveen. And it's the most brilliant character. I have to say eight is my favorite character and not just because you're on the podcast. Um, You know, I I get that a lot. So it's very, very kind. Thank you. Yeah, we, like, all of our friends, um, we ask them, like, oh, who do you like? It's, it's always eight. He's Something proper, about eight. He's proper wicked, isn't he? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Like, there's, I, I feel like eight is also just, like, so lovable as a character, right? Like, is, you can't go cute. wrong with him. Um, what's been your experience playing eight? And going you know from, what's... sorry, I, I was going to say, just, like, the, the work that we see from you as Taz, it's so sharp, right? Like, there's, um, and it's very real. And then eight is, you know, this this innocent, like seemingly innocent, very lovable little guy that's just kind of like going around with Mobine. Like, how how was your experience doing that? You know, it's funny. Whenever I watch it, and actually, I like obviously I'm biased, and it's hard to take that out of the equation. But I'm a really big fan of the show. Like when I watch it on TV and stuff, or like on Catch Up or whatever, which I do occasionally, I I forget that I'm in it. <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes when I'm watching eight. I end up laughing and I'm like, why are you laughing at you? Like, that's you. Like, you're laughing at your own performance. Like, but I forget that I'm playing that because it is so against type. And I was so proud of the work that I did there because there are people who come to my social media who only know me from that, right? Like a lot of people mm. will find, find me through that or when Gus shouts us out occasionally, people will come and find us. And then, and then they discover all this other stuff and they're like, what? Hang on. <laughs> You're the, you're the dumb guy. What, what, how come you're doing, how come you, and sometimes it's frustrating because it's like, no, I was doing all that stuff first and then I ended up playing eight, but none of that stuff ever went away. That is who I am. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's frustrating when you get the odd comment of people just, you, you put up something that's nothing to do with Mobin and put, and someone will put in a comment like, oh, that's Vicky bro, whatever. And you're like, it's, it's coming from a nice place, but it's also quite frustrating because it's like, that is such a small part of what I've done but yeah. it's the thing that people know me the most for. Um, mm. And so I'll always be grateful for it. And like making the show is so incredibly fun. It probably comes across, but we have so much fun making that show. Like, I don't we, know how you do like takes without laughing. We, yeah. we, we don't. There's, there's so much corpsing in that show. I think one or two of the bits, because the show's made of such a small budget and we never have enough time to um, like do so many takes and stuff. Like there's often... There's one particular scene, the hospital scene, where, oh I, cor- where, where I corpsed and then Mobin corpsed and they just left it in because it's like, they didn't ha- I guess they didn't have time to reshoot it or they missed it. But when you see it, it's like, it- I'm, laughing in that, I'm laughing in that scene. You probably know the bit I'm talking about. Yeah, because I'm, like, I'm laughing there. I've rewatched that so many times. That is the best episode, isn't it? It that is. It's so the funny. The hospital episode is the best. Because like, it's like, really up there. Like that is hands down my favorite. Because I was like, how did you write that? Like, how do you come up with that? And it just—I was floored. Absolutely. It's really. Floored. It was really good. It's like the directors and 
producers and Gus himself, you know, there's a lot of space to improvise mm. in that show. So we have rehearsals before, beforehand and because none of us, me, I'm not a trained actor. Gus is not a trained actor. Tolu, who plays Nate, is not a trained actor. And, and uh, Dua, who plays Axa, is not a trained actor. Although she probably will end up becoming a trained actor. But none of us went to drama school. We're not, we don't know the discipline of learning lines and sticking mm-hmm. to a script. So we just turn up and we kind of skim the script. And then we kind of know what to say. But then we end up just saying it in what we think are the character's own words. And that gives us a lot of space for improvisation within, within while we're shooting. So there's a lot of stuff that come up that wasn't in the script. Like um, the first scene of the first episode where I'm like, um, does it, does it, does it, what, when you buy a can of Coke from the shop, does it just have Coke? Do you check to see if it's got Coke in it or does it just have Coke in it? Like I improvised that in rehearsals because I just felt like, cause I'm like, I'm a stand-up, right? I'm a performer. I want to be the center of attention. And in the script, my character was slightly underwritten because he's the guy who says the daft thing at the end of the conversation. Uh, at the mm-hmm. end of the scene, he says the daft thing and then you can get out of the scene. But I always wanted him to be a bit more. So I always, whenever I get a chance to speak, I always say more than is in the script. And a lot of that just ends up making it in, which is, which is very, very nice. And like, yeah, so there's that, that bit where Gus, in the hospital episode, where Gus sings, that's not in the script. Really? Because the bit I said before him is because the bit I said before him, which was uh, which is Tolu having this massive like, and then there's a thing, another thing, and then and then he had mm. this sense of relief admitting admitting all the crimes to the police officer, yeah, yeah. and then I just chip in going, and then and then I and then I tried to tombstone it. Like that wasn't in the script, but, but there's a pause there, and I thought, hey, should just fill it because he should just constantly be trying to make the situation worse. Um, and then Gus improvise. Then I improvise that. And then Gus improvise the line of which is my favorite bit of the whole series. Brilliant! It is brilliant. And like props to you as you know, as an actor, as a comedian. Like I think that's so much credit to you and knowing that character so well that so many of your improvisations end up it's, staying in the final cut. It, it's funny how, I, how much I can. It's funny how much how much I can just switch him on. I love that. Like he's just one bro away from just being there. He just. <laughs> yeah. It's just so just under the surface. Yeah. I love the bit that you do about your name in Ted's mm. Talks. Mm. Um, have you, do you listen to Atif Aslam? The singer? Yeah. Uh, not, I'm, I'm, I know him, but I'm not overly familiar with his work. He has an old, old song called Tezib. You should listen to it. Really? That's <laughs> hilarious. It's very depressing, but like. Is it about a girl? Out. Is it about a girl? Um, no, it's about like the actual meaning of the word Desi. Oh, okay. okay. So yeah, he yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's been a while since I've listened to it. And it's honestly like very like senti and very emotional. Like, you know, when I was like 15 years old and. Send me, send me the link emo. on, send me the link on Spotify. Like it's so old. I don't even know if it's actually on Spotify. I'm going to have to find it somewhere on YouTube and I'll send you a link. Okay. Do that. That'd be, that'd be, I'm intrigued. Um, can we talk about how season three of Man Like Mobine ended? Because sure. I'm ready to boycott the show. Uh, yes. Spoil- what- spoilers if you haven't seen it stop listening at this point I would say yeah spoiler alert um, if you intend on watching the show if you haven't seen it you know take a pause we'll I don't know we'll put in the comments somewhere where you can tune back in but yeah. what was that ending <laughs> I, I was genuinely mad I was watching on my laptop and I picked it up I was like I want to throw this somewhere so just to clarify which because a lot of people have asked this question and there's a lot of theorizing on the internet he is dead. See, Ro has a conspiracy theory. She thinks he's alive. 
No, no. He's, he's, it's in the script. He died. But like, I didn't want, want to show it because it's, it's not like when Nav died, it was really funny. So you yeah, can show yeah, that was that. Like a, that was a bizarre. But like, and, and he's a really like irritating character. Whereas with eight, that you no one wanted to see the goriness of that. So yeah. that's why that's why the camera pulls up. But why, yeah. why does that happen? Why choose Listen. to kill off the best character? Listen, yeah, ladies. Has <laughs> sometimes in life we suffer tragedies and consequences of our actions, and that basically was what happened to Mobin. So Mobin has not chosen necessarily, but he's gone back into this lifestyle, which yes. is not good, and he does uh, want to show that in reality, if you choose that life, what often happens is, is people around you are the ones who get hurt. And so in that show, we thought, who is it that you could hurt that would have the biggest effect on the viewers? And so it, was, it had to be me or AXA. Mm -hmm. And AXA, that, it would have been too extreme. Mm -hmm. For that right. to have happened to her, I think. So it therefore had to be it had to be it has to be eight, sadly. But to if clarify, I start, if I does, start crying, does, I'm gonna turn off my no, video. I, I get it. I was watching it with my mum, and obviously I didn't set up my mum to tell her what was gonna happen. And you know, my mum is watching obviously I'm playing someone else, but she's watching her son die on screen. Oh, it wasn't it was uh, it wasn't nice for her. But yeah. I think it's just that in my while i do understand the creative decision and i completely understand from the writer's perspective i think having a character that's just so lovable mm. for brown folks and just people that lack representation in general we consistently see them die we consistently see their screen time cut short so uh, what i was thinking in that point of view was if we have a character that we do love so much why not let them grow on screen for as long as they can and I understand if they want to make a social statement, you know, so surrounding if you choose that lifestyle, if that happens. But I guess for me, it was like, I know what the repercussions are like. Um, people are aware of that. I mean, if people aren't, but... I think there's, there's a lot... Where, where we come from, Gaz and I, there's a lot of young kids who get caught up in that world. Mm -hmm. So we, um, I don't know how much, I mean, you, you said you got relatives in the UK. Obviously, I don't know about their background and stuff. But most of the Pakistani diaspora and Bengali and most Indians as well, but not all. But most Pakistani and Bengalis especially, we're very working class. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of us live in the hood not to be confused with the american hood is not as rough as that but still it's not good and so you get a lot of young kids who get caught up in the trappings of street life and uh, and and drugs and, and and all sorts of other nonsense and mm. i grew up around it never in it whereas guz for a while was also in it mm. um and so the, and then there's, there's there's a lot of big problems at the moment with young Asian kids in the UK with gang violence and knife crime and, and, even, and, the, and even in some, case, in some cases, uh, guns as well. There was a, where I come from in Blackburn during Ramadan, literally three weeks ago, a young, a young refugee girl was shot dead. 20 minute walk from, my, from where I live because she was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh God. Oh I don't know God. if you heard, I don't know if you 
if that news made it over to, to Canada. Did. But 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 that happened a 20 minute walk away from where I live. So I mean she was like just completely innocent and nothing to do with whatever was unfolding between these groups of people. Mm-hmm. She just happened to be walking in the wrong place at the wrong time. So I get I get it. I completely am sympathetic to the fact that people love this character. I love playing him. I love watching him myself, even though it is me playing it. But yeah, the, st- the statement made it, I, f- I feel like the statement made it even that more impactful. Mm-hmm. Or it made the statement more impactful, even though uh, I, I get it. I, then I'm excited to see what will happen, I guess, in the following season. Yeah, I don't know if there's one. Is, yeah. I don't think, I don't know. You know what? I was speaking to Gus about this and... I don't know if there is going to... I don't know if there's going to be another season. Oh, my God. Like, it might... It might it, <laughs> listen, I'm glad you sat down. It might be done. But, oh. again, I don't know because, as my I say... Heart I'm can't not, I'm take not, this much. I'm not, I'm not in those conversations. So, oh. I think what would be ideal is... Because the, the show's got a shelf life. And Gus doesn't yeah. want to do it forever. Mm-hmm. He's got other ideas and plans that he wants to develop. But I, I think it does need one more. I mean, clearly, because the story yeah. is amazing. It needs another season. But I think also it would work as a film as well. If it could get like a 90 like minute. An, you could tell the story in a 90 like minute. Like a wrap up. Film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think, um, what, sorry to interrupt, but what I wanted to add, if you do make a statement like that, um, oftentimes writers and directors they leave it as just a statement and there's no solution afterwards right um i personally i don't know if uh, the sentiments are the same i want to see the solution i want a commentary made on the situation that okay i realize my decisions led to this how can the people watching this not just be like this is what happens all right you get into it you get into it there's no way out kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. But th- th- I think because then there's also a struggle as to like, well, what is that st- story then? Because if, mm. if, if, if the story which everyone wants to see is Gus goes to Karachi and ends Khan, um, Mobin, sorry, goes to Karachi and ends the Khan character, then that is also not a great message yeah. to mm-hmm. send, which is like, go get revenge for the things that happened wrong in, for, your, for the wrongdoings and stuff. So it's kind of what's, I guess, what's the smart way then to tell that story that does justice to the show, but also isn't glamorizing violence. Exactly. I hope some resolution can come of it because I'm very flabbergasted. I would love to see a a film. And there's precedence for that. Um, Just just like, you know, the Sex in the City film and the Entourage film, um, which weren't great, I, 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 I concede, but there, there have been like the big comedy shows in the UK have had films uh, okay. at the end of them, like like the in like I don't know if you've heard of these shows, but like the In Betweeners, uh, Bad, mm. Te- Bad Teacher, a couple of other couple of other shows had films, feature length uh, movies mm-hmm. as a, as a way of finishing the story. So it's not without precedent. Um, we'll rally the troops around us here and call. <laughs> yeah, for I that literally have messages like, from. Want to see more? So I have uh, messages uh, from eight fans when oh I, told yeah. them I was about to interview eight. I'm like, oh, what do you want to say? And they're like, what? <laughs> to eight? So oh. yeah, I'll, I'll leave a list at the end. Okay, cool. Well, you know, if, if, if you do want to annoy anyone, it's BBC Comedy and BBC Three. 
Listeners, you know who to annoy. Uh, on Twitter. That's obviously where people pay attention. So at BBC Comedy, at BBC Three, that is where to make your noise if you want. And hashtag man like Mobin. Mm. That's what I'm going to be doing after we're done. We wrap up here. Good. <laughs> I want to see how it ends. I, I, we all do. And I think, you know what, now that you've kind of explained the context of that, I think that was really important because I'm understanding that decision a little more. I'm a little less outraged because I think context is so important, right? And what's yeah, happening yeah. in your immediate cities um, obviously is going to have a huge impact on how you decide to go forward. So thank you for explaining that. No still heartbroken but yeah. you know i guess Can we segue to something lighter because <laughs> <laughs> tears on zoom i'm just gonna interject here this is we, this is this wasn't pre-planned but literally two minutes ago my mother texted me on whatsapp with a picture and a bio data how old are you 26 26 yeah you're that age that in it that that's yeah that's mm-hmm. that's your that's your life now all right taz come read um, it read it read it, read it yeah. out I'm going to take your recommendation on whether or not I respond to this and take it forward. Yeah. Okay? Oh my God, Tess, okay, you're doing good. big work here. Obviously, let's, can I see, this, this is this audio, right? Yeah, it's audio. Okay, yeah. so, let me see the, so let me see the picture at the end though. Okay, okay, yeah. I'll show you the picture at the end. So a yeah. quarter of this bio data is uh, taken up by a big graphic of Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim in all fancy Arabic calligraphy. Love okay, that. Already, already I'm out. We got to keep going. We got to keep okay. going. Okay. Um, Una's shadi bios are the funniest because she gets so many of them. And I send them all to Roja. And then laugh at them. Hilarious. Kind of mean. <laughs> no, but like, why do you write that in a bio? That's weird. Just right. Sorry for right. You. Okay. After the Arabic Bismillah, we have Bismillah written in English. Duality. Translate. Red. Easier what, for you. What, what if you're a convert who hasn't learned Arabic yet? Literally. Right. Oh, or so what, then below what, that... What, what if you weren't paying attention in, you know... So, go on. Below that is... Below asked, that. I begin in the name of God? Yep. Below that is a literal English translation. So after we, get through, after we get through the first three Bismillahs... Okay. So we know he's a linguist. A hundred percent. It's some tongues, Amna. Yeah, I mean, that was impl- that's subtext, Roha. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's North America. They don't get it. <laughs> Our audience is not as smart as yours. Fair enough. Okay. The British audience okay. straight away would have gone, yep, subtext. Alrighty. So we're going to get into the matrimonial data. And this is what the data is. It literally okay. says matrimonial data. Uh, we have his name. I don't want to put we him on we blast. We don't need to Give a generic name. Like, we need to call um, this boy something. I don't know. Let's call him Ahmed. Okay. That's, Ahmed. that's my middle name. So we'll go by that. You know, that's safe. Okay. Um, Ahmed Khan. It's a nice name. Yeah. Nice name. Decent name. Um, his height. He is five eleven. Not bad. Not That's bad. all right. Does height right. include? Yeah. Um, Go on. So he's five eleven. Yeah. Oh yeah. Back so, to the guy. So so Roha's um, happy. Yeah, he's five eleven. <laughs> I'm happy for Hamna. Um, I know her preferences. Uh, let's keep going. Okay. Uh, place of birth. He was born and raised in Toronto, Canada. Okay. okay. Right. So culturally similar. So culturally similar. Mm-hmm. This is very promising. From the six. Religion, Islam, bracket Sunni. Right. Also similar. It lines up. the flavor. Okay, that's ticking the boxes so far. Okay. Uh, education, Juris Doctor. So, uh, yeah, he's a lawyer. He went to York University. It's. Uh, he went to York here. though. It's around here. 
Ano? Um, the York man's. Is York not good? York, I, it's actually it's, it's a decent school, but the boys from York aren't decent. Okay, yeah. but, in, but if we're talking about just the school. Yeah, it's a good it's school. A good I school. mean, okay. he has a law degree from a proper school. Okay, cool. It's just that's the race man's. Okay, that's good so far. Cool. The credentials you're, you're, check out. You're, you're, you're feeding in bias into the into the process. <laughs> Our entire podcast is just my biases. No, no, so let's let's keep this. Let's keep. I'll, I'll ask information that I need, but let's keep yeah. it bias free because I want to give this guy fair. Oh, okay. Fair true, true, true. Okay, occupation lawyer. He's a lawyer. Okay, I, I like what that. a surprise. That. That's he's educated. He's mm-hmm. five foot eleven. He's the same type of Islam that you are. So far, on paper, so far this is looking good. Are you ready for what comes next? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The rest rest of the bio data, like the rest of this entire thing, is just names of his entire family. There we have We have father, we have mother, we have sister, we have brother, we have brother in law, we have grandfather, we have grandmother. Why? Maternal and maternal. And that's it. Why? Exactly. All of her bio datas are like that. Because they want to make sure, like, okay, so when you get these bio datas, they give all the names so they can do like, I guess, a deep dive into each person and make sure they're correct or you can make sure they're from, like, a good family. It's so no, weird. Nothing about what's his favorite flavor exactly. of milkshake. That's it. Like, this like, are you marrying his family or him? Nah, that's not enough to go on. Let me see the picture. Let me, uh, let me zoom in for you. I, I, but with the, I think the other thing in his defense is he hasn't written this biodata. There. There. God knows what my mother sends out there about like, Because he wouldn't have written three Bismillah Rahman Rahims at the top. <laughs> like someone else has done that for him. Absolutely. Okay, um, let, us, let us see Ahmed Khan. Okay, let's... Where's the beard? No, I, I, I personally think it's worth a coffee date. Oh my God, tell him about the donuts. <laughs> Tell me no, about the donuts. No, the donuts was so long ago. My parents he, tried to set me up with this guy and, and like we went to a cafe and he showed up with a box of donuts from a different cafe. To eat in the cafe. <laughs> <laughs> and were your parents spying on you too? Yeah. Like two tables down. <laughs> no, that's marginal. No, imagine that like on a show. I just want all of Homna's dates just as episodes of something. That would be hilarious. Um, oh, God. That's mad. Yeah. So I'm, you know what? Like, I don't know. Do I give it a go? I, I, think, it's worth, I think it's worth a coffee date because it's, you know, have a coffee, feel it out. But do a Zoom date, right? It's pandemic. So we're like, ooh, there's nothing to lose. Oh, yeah, of course. There's you that have as well. to suffer some donuts. I'm, I'm open to that. I can't believe this is where we've ended up. Yeah, I'm but sorry, I, Tess. But I, but I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying yes, go on a Zoom date or coffee date. All right, with, I will. With, with Ahmed. Ahmed and From the Halak. Yeah, okay, I will do it. I'll do it just because of this. And then um, next episode is going to be an update of what happened. A lot of the wishes that you do get on WhatsApp is because these dudes, they're just following what their moms are saying. And that's fine. Listen to your mama. Mamas raise good kids, but you don't want to end up with someone sometimes i don't want to be mean but brown boys I think are, mom, moms try to raise good kids yeah they do raise good, good kids in theory in, but they coddle them a lot and that's a problem that i have. i'm i don't i'm fully coddled like let me tell you i can't cook 
I don't. I've been in lockdown. No, Tess. No, let me tell you. Let me tell you this, and I'll justify it as well. And I'm sure you'll be very sympathetic to my cause by the time I finish this. Now, that's I've what they lo- all start off with. I hope you know that. Listen, Roha. Okay. Can I? Okay, Tess. Please? Let's okay. go. Thank you. Now, it's just me and my mom at home. It's me and my mama, Mama Tess and me. And she cooks, she cleans, and she picks up after me. Now, I'm a man in his 30s, and you might think that is unacceptable behavior. And I would say you've got a point. But let me say this. Growing up in, as a Pakistani lad, I, I was spoiled. Uh, everything was done for me. And when my mom wasn't doing it, my sisters would pick up the slack. Now, I'm saying when you grow up in a situation like that, why, why would you volunteer to do chores? If you're not being forced to do chores, would any of you volunteer to do chores? So I'm saying, therefore, I never did them. I never learned them. I never became domesticated. So in fact, Roha, actually, I am a victim of the patriarchy. Mic drop. Oh wow, you used my dad's logic right there, and I'll go into that further. But I just want to put your words back oh, on no. blast. Brown men need to be domesticated. Is that what you're saying? What, what, what did I say? He, you said you weren't domesticated. That's yeah, as in, as in, as in, as in, yeah, yeah, go on. Forget it. Let's that's, see what happens that's next. That's it. Let's, <laughs> let's, see, let's see what happens next. <laughs> no, oh my God. Like the logic you just used. My, my dad does the same thing where he'll be like, okay, okay, let me, let me pull it up. And so, okay, we have this thing where I'm not allowed to get a nose ring. And my dad's like, do whatever the hell you want. I don't care. Just whatever you want. You were not allowed to get a nose ring. And I respect that. I'm like, oh, whatever. You, I'm under your roof. I, I don't give a shit. And then one day I asked him, like, yo, like, you said you could do whatever. You fully said, I'll walk you to the club if you want to, but don't get a nose ring. What, what the hell is that about? And then he goes on and he starts saying, well, I have to start in 1947. You know shit's about to get real when you bring up 1947. He's like, no, look. When our family was crossing over to the other side, our clan members, they didn't know how they'd know they'd like reach home or the right people. So this man was traveling and he asked his elder, how will I know I've reached the right part of Pakistan? And he was told, when you come upon a tribe of women without nose, ring, you'll, without nose rings, you'll know your home. Dude. Imagine hearing that. I don't think it's real. Yeah, no, and then okay, I fully, ben, I was ben, like, why, 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 you, why, you, why you like this, Roha? Why don't you? Just no, I, I agreed. I was like, no, dude, like you're completely correct. You have one tradition you want to keep up. I'm down with it. And then I'm like, wait, wait, but what if I get like a septum piercing? You know, like that's not the nose ring. Like I'll still be like a, a tradition. Bull. Let me get there. Um, it they was trendy, Tez. They look good. They, yeah. <laughs> He's like, Roha, beta. I don't have a story for that, but let me tell you. Our family were farmers. I'm like, yeah, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? And he goes like, yeah, well, we're farmers. And I mean, you said you're a feminist. I'm like, yeah, I'm a feminist. Septums on bulls signify you're someone's property. And hey. you're not someone's property, are you? Oy. And I was like, oh, shit. Your dad's just mag dropped you. Oh, damn. He got you good with that one. You and I, there's no way out with this man. Man, I like your dad. So that's, that, that's a start. Mm-hmm. I'll pass the comments. 
Alrighty, folks. Um, so I think we're going to have to wrap up the session. Um, we want to end with just some of the comments that Roja said. Our friends had passed on uh, for Kez in terms, like, with just with reference to your role of eight. Oh, your fans. We have messages from your fans. From my Tesbians. Your Tesbians, yes. So we have Ayat that says, please tell Tez I love him a lot. Oh. Is that um, it? Uh, the thing is, I have them listed. Do you want me to email them to you? Because we have a little problem. No, this is fun. <laughs> this what, is what, 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 do think praise. My, what, what do you think my life is that I need you to email me praise? <laughs> like live? a video message, like a video message this from your phone. I mean, this could be funny because I don't know what people are going to say. So there could be humor in it. I don't need to email. That's so bleak. Oh my God. Okay, I'll just read them. Um, really quickly, I have to find the chat. Sorry. Yeah, I was like, tell him I love him. And Neha, um, how do you get the eight voice just right? All the best. He's so cool. I love him. Oh, I think we, I think we covered that. It's just, you know, that is the yeah, we northern, northern Asian accent in North England. Bro. <laughs> She's going to be replaying that bit. If you just, if you just, right. if you just roll your mm-hmm. R's. Bro. 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 Yeah, yeah. Bro, what are you saying in that? Bro, what are you saying in that? You got yeah, that's, you got it. You got it. And, and occasionally swap your W for your Vs. That's what wicked, you, innit? Yeah, yeah, wicked, bro. Wicked. I am going to start talking like that. Kas, kasme. Kasme? Kasme, kasme bro. Kasme. You got to have kasme. Allah yeah. di kasm, bro. We don't say kasme a lot. I want to start saying kasme. Yeah, the Arabic thing is wallahi, right? But we grew up saying yeah. kasme. Yeah, there's like a big Arab influence in the Muslim population over here. Well, I mean, it's literally, that is the religion. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know what you meant, though. I'm being flippant for no reason. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's okay. We can talk about Arab okay. supremacy another time. Mm, indeed. Uh, but no, thank you so much for sitting with us, chatting with Two us. Two comments. I'm, I'm going to send them in a video message because my phone is acting up. No, 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 no. I have them. Like, like so we have like comments. seven lined up. Two comments. Oh my God. That is so eight, embarrassing. Eight. No, no, no. You have a lot of comments. I need you to understand. Like I watch Man Like Mobin and then I forced all of them to watch Man Like Mobin. No, no. And now we're all obsessed. Yeah. No. Shout out to Maha. She's uh, the one who actually gave us the idea yeah. for getting in touch with you. She's like, why don't you just contact Ted? I'm like, you know what? Why don't I? I'm also a huge fan of your character and happens to be my sister. Well, big up. Maha. Neha? Yeah. Meha? Neha. Neha. Yeah. With an N. Yes. Yeah. Big up Neha on that. And I. Yeah, sure. <laughs> 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 no, no, big up, big up Ayat as well. I, um... I, I, I love I love all your verses. <laughs> thank, thank you, you thank so you, much for you. spending the time with us. Uh, it's no been worries. so much fun talking to you. Thank you for uh, bearing through our technical difficulties. Yeah, that's right. I've had fun too. It's been really nice. We're really glad. And when yeah. I'm in Toronto, you have to come see me. Oh, 100% yes. front row. We'll be there. Thank you so much for tuning in, friends. We hope you enjoyed that episode. This year, Tez is coming out with a book called The Secret Diary of a British Muslim, aged 13 and three quarters. The book comes out on 8th April, and it's about his teen years growing up in northern working class England as a British Pakistani Muslim. We can't wait to get our hands on it, and you can do the same at tezilyas.com slash hello.